0: You probably Egypt, had been in Egypt. They had been in bondage in Egypt, slaves for uh, over 400 years. And you remember in Genesis, they had went to Egypt because Joseph, one of the children of Israel, had uh, been sold into slavery down there and he became next to pharaoh he he got to be in charge and so all the rest of the family ultimately moved down there and over 400 years they had turned into hundreds of thousands of people so god now sends moses to get them out of this bondage egypt had made them into slaves but pharaoh who had never heard of Joseph, uh, wouldn't let them go. Those who don't know their history are going to to repeat it. So Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, and so God sent ten plagues to convince him. You remember these? He turned the Nile into blood, turned the dust into insects, sent frogs, locusts, that destroyed their crops, but Pharaoh wouldn't do it. Finally, the tenth plague was the threat that God would kill the firstborn son of everyone who didn't have the blood on the doorpost. Now, they didn't believe it. The Egyptians didn't believe what Moses said. And he wasn't afraid of God because he himself had been killing Jewish babies. Remember when you first opened the book of Exodus, there's Pharaoh killing the, the firstborn sons of the Jews. So God says, I'm going to bring this final judgment, but you can be delivered out of it. You can take a lamb and on the 14th day of the month, kill that lamb and put its blood on the lintel above the door and the side post of the door. And he said, The death angel will come through, but he will pass over the houses with blood on the door. This is still celebrated today by Christians and Jews. Jews refer to it as the Passover and the Christians call it Holy Communion. We do it every Good Friday, which is the same here on the 14th day of the month. So he says, this shall be the beginning of months to you in verse 2. This is when the calendar started for the Jews. This is when life begins. It's when you come under the blood of the Lamb. That's when you start living. Life means something. We're going to look at three things this morning. First, the Lamb as a picture of Christ. Second... The house as a picture of the church. And third, this tenth plague as a picture of final judgment. You know, when we teach children, usually we start with pictures. And we go to more abstract concepts. This is what God is doing. In the Old Testament, He starts with pictures. Elementary communication and teaching, but here's the three things. First, the lamb is a picture of Christ, and I'll give you quickly five things that point to the lamb as picture of Christ. One, it's a lamb. We don't want to miss the obvious. John the Baptist in John one twenty nine pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So here is an innocent lamb that pictured Christ. Number two, the lamb is selected on the tenth day and kept till the fourteenth. That means it was in, it was pinned up for a week about a week, and then on Friday, which we call Good Friday, and the Jews call the 14th of Nisan, like the first month of the year, they then took the lamb and killed it and sprinkled its blood. Now, notice verse 6. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, kills their lambs at twilight. Some years ago I read that and I thought, there's a time to kill it. Now the versions will say something like twilight or dusk. Here's the literal rendering of the Hebrew. They shall kill their lambs, verse 6, between the sunsets. That's literally what this says in Hebrew, between the sunsets. Because the Jews had, they viewed, once you're in midday, the sun is at midday. Then the sun starts to go down. Now the Jews considered that the beginning of sundown, which makes sense. Then when the sun actually went down, about, they viewed it about 6 o'clock, they consider that a second sundown, the completion of sundown. And between, between 12 and 6 was 3 o'clock. So when it says here they will kill their lambs between the sunsets, that is, right between is 3 o'clock. And then when you look at it in the New Testament, Jesus on Good Friday is arrested and crucified that morning. And guess what time he died? Mark 15, verse 37, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was ripped in two. Then, But it tells you what time in Mark 15 also. Mark 15, 33. When the sixth hour had come, now the sixth hour, you start from 6 a.m., the Jews counted starting at 6 a.m., so the sixth hour would be midday. When the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land till the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Mark 15, 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. So here's what this is saying. Jesus died on Passover at the exact time the Jews were killing the Passover lamb in the temple. The exact day at the exact time, Jesus was crucified on the cross. Now, that, this is a picture that is incredible in its detail. It's amazing, and there's no religion, to my knowledge, on the face of the earth that has such precision and accuracy in its prophecies about Jesus than does the Holy Word of God, the Bible. I don't know of anything. You young people are going to be faced with teachers and professors who are going to uh, be skeptical and and, uh, even uh, hold in contempt the Word of God. I want you to remember that Jesus in the New Testament was crucified the very day and the very time of which the Old Testament lamb was slain and slaughtered and his blood put on the door. And you figure, how do you explain that? Here's another thing about the lamb picturing Jesus. It was a male without blemish. Look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male that's a year old. It shall be a lamb without any spots. There couldn't be any de, uh, defaults. Couldn't be any faults with it. Any spots on it. And First 1 Peter 1, 18 says, "You were ransomed from the futile ways from the herd inherited from the fathers. Not with perishable things like silver and gold, but you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without spot." So in the same way, Jesus had no fault. Pilate himself said, I find no fault in him. So it's a male without blemish. A fourth thing, in verse 7, its blood was sprinkled in the sign of a cross. Let's read verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat it. Now, not on the bottom, but at the top and both sides, making the form of a cross. Now, in the Roman Catholic Church, this is called genuflecting, where you make the sign of the cross. This actually originated in Exodus 12 with the Passover lamb. They put the blood at the top and on both sides and formed the sign of the cross. (laughs) so you got Jews genuflecting before the Catholic church was even in existence and finally a fourth thing is the bones of this lamb were not to be broken you see this in verse 46 chapter 12 verse 46 it shall be eaten in the house you shall not take any of the flesh outside the house you shall not break any of its bones. Now, why does he add that? Who's going to break the bones? He adds that because in the New Testament, when they crucified people, they often would break their bones because crucifixion might take three or four days for you to die, so they break their bones so they can't push themselves up for breath. Once you break the bones, you die. So the Roman soldiers went to break the bones of these criminals and they came to Jesus and it says they saw he was already dead. So in John 19, says John said, I saw this, John 19, 35 and 36. I bore witness, so I know I'm telling the truth, but I'm telling you so you'd believe they broke not his bones, as the scripture said. Jesus was the lamb, a perfect, picture of the Lamb of Exodus 12. It was like a prophecy of the coming Messiah. So they would recognize Him and John did. I see Him as the Lamb of Passover. And it's interesting that at that very moment they were killing the Passover lambs. But God's Passover lamb was on the outside of Jerusalem. Now it's interesting to see what the Jews say about this Passover lamb in Exodus 12 and how it's fulfilled in Christ. See, they don't take the New Testament. so, And, and uh, uh, some of you have probably heard of Dennis Prager. He's a Jewish commentator and radio personality. I love this guy, Dennis Prager. He's not a Christian, but he's, he's a scholar. And when he reads Exodus 12, he says that the rabbis teach that the purpose of the lamb was not to predict the coming Messiah's death, but that it would teach the Israelites, the Jews, to delay gratification because they had to wait for, uh, from 10th day to the 14th day to eat. And I thought... You know, brother, I love you, but that's just weird. (laughs) Here's what another Jew said, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us, so let us celebrate the feast. What a difference when you pick up the New Testament gospel that's about Jesus. We celebrate. The Jews have a diet. (laughs) So the lamb pictures Christ for these reasons. Now, what does the house that they're in represent? So they take refuge in this house with the blood on the door. That represents the church, and I'll give you two or three reasons for that. One, in chapter 12... Verse 3, tell all the congregation of Israel to do this. The word congregation is the Hebrew word a day. It's the first time this word is used in the Old Testament. It's the first time Israel is recognized as a congregation together. And what the... What Moses is giving us here is, for the first time, a picture of the congregation of God, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in the King James Version, in Acts 7:38, from the time of the Exodus forward, this time forward, Acts 7:38 calls them the church. So this is the church. And what is a church? It was the first assembly of those people who had one common denominator. They trusted in the blood of the lamb that was on the door. Now inside that house uh, look look down. If you would, in verse 37 and 38, Exodus 12, 37 and 38. It says, The people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth about 600,000 men, not counting women and children. Verse 38 A mixed multitude also went with them. A mixed multitude. In other words, you could have neighbors, you could have Egyptians. It was a mixed multitude. All kinds of people were in that group that put faith in the blood, the blood of the lamb. So that what is the church? It's a mixed multitude. There's good people and bad people, Black people and white people, male and female. Slave and free, rich and poor. There's moral people and immoral people. There's people who've never touched a drink of alcohol. And there's people who were drunk the night before. But what do they have in common? They have come to trust in the blood of the Lamb. Because when God passed over, He did not look in there and say, okay, what job? Y- I see you. I know what you did this week. What did God look at? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Can I get an amen? Well, I'm thankful for that. He He didn't measure you. He didn't evaluate you. He didn't look at your past. He didn't even look at your present. He looked at whether or not you trust in the blood to save you from the wrath of God. Verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now this is what Hebrews 9.24 means when it says Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, copies of the truth, but Christ has entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. See, the blood wasn't seen on the inside. It was seen by God. In the same way, Christ has gone into heaven and he presents his merits before the Father on our behalf. And God sees Christ and forgives me. He sees Christ and accepts me. As Ephesians 1 says, I'm accepted in the beloved one, speaking of Christ. So this is the church. It's a picture of the church. And let me give you one more verse here. Verse 22. Verse 22. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood in the basin and touch the lintel and two doorposts with the blood. But none of you shall go out of the door of his house till the morning. So here's the admonition. Trust in the blood but don't leave the house. What's the house? The church. It's a picture of the church. You trust in the blood, but stay in church. You say, I know, but I've had bad experiences in the church. Let me tell you something about bad experiences. If you think you can have bad experiences in church, wait till you go outside the church and face the destroyer who's walking up and down the hallways and walking up and down the, byways of Egypt killing all those who aren't trusting in the blood when you trust in the blood you go into the house it's important to see that those two go together so God says don't leave the house it's not safe so the lamb is a picture of Christ the church is a pic- the, the house is a picture of the church one final thing The plague is a picture of the final judgment. This is the 10th plague, the last plague, the final plague. And here's the thing about this plague. Look at chapter 12 and verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive in the dungeon, all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants, all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. This judgment came, no matter who you were, from the top to the bottom. It was a sweeping judgment. So here's the thing. What must I do to be saved from the judgment of God? That's the primary question. And they asked Jesus this question. And in John chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus, when he heard them, they said, What must we do to do the works that God requires? In John six twenty-nine, Jesus answered, This is the work that God requires that you believe in Him whom He has sent. That you believe in Jesus. That's the work that God requires. All all else is gratitude, all else flows out of that. What does God want from us? He wants us to receive and embrace the Son of God who came and died on the cross. That's what God requires. That's the work He requires is faith in Jesus. Faith in the blood of the Lamb. And the power of the blood will save us from the wrath of God. Amen. So that's why we're going to baptize next Sunday. People have put faith in the blood of the Lamb. They've said, I take Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm 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 coming into the house. I'm not like the Egyptians who did not believe what Moses said. I believe. And so we're going to baptize next Sunday morning. If you have not been baptized, I hope you will join us next Sunday. Let's pray together and ushers, if you'll come, let's worship God with our tithes and our offerings today.